Today's Bible reading um, can be found in the book of Romans, chapter 5, starting at verse 1 through to verse 5, and is taken from the Good News Testament. Now that we have been put right with God through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. He has brought us by faith into this experience of God's grace in which we now live. And so we may boast of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. We also boast of our troubles because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval and his approval creates hope. This hope does not disappoint us for God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit which is God's gift to us. Yeah, the reason that I live, the reason that I sing with all I am. And the Holy Spirit fills our lives. We have a sense of the greatness and the majesty and the presence of God. And that can make us proud to be Christians. If you've got it, flaunt it they say. If you've got something you can be proud about, don't play it down. Don't minimise its importance. If you've got it, make a big deal of it. Don't try and pretend you're not thrilled to bits. Put it on Facebook. Take out a full-page ad in the County Times. Hang a great big banner outside your house. If it's worth being proud about, It's worth boasting about and boasting about in style. Doesn't sound a very Christian attitude, does it? Boasting. Certainly not a very Horsham attitude. (laughs) Yet it is an attitude that Paul explicitly commends in Romans 5 when it comes to talking about the difference Jesus makes. Most translations opt for the more acceptable language of rejoicing. We can all relate to rejoicing because that's a good Christian thing to do. But the Good News translation rightly pulls no punches when it says we are boasting, boasting in the hope of the glory of God. There is no modest self-deprecation in Paul's language. God is so amazing. What he's done for us is so fantastic that we just can't keep it to ourselves. Christians and proud of it. Yet this boasting is not bigging up who I am or what I've done or anything about me. There's no conceit in this. Pride and conceit are not the same thing. Conceit is being excessively concerned with one's own importance or achievement. You can't be conceited about anybody else but yourself but you can be proud of someone other than yourself. And the pride that Paul displays in Romans 5 is not about him, but about God. And what God has done through his Son, Jesus Christ, and the gift of the Spirit to him. So this Trinity Sunday, I want to say to all of you, 
Look at what God and his family have done for us. And even though we live in Horsham, let's push the boat out and say that we're proud to belong to such an amazing God. That's what worship is about. Sometimes we think of worship as us saying to God, oh God, you're so wonderful, I'm so rubbish. But worship can be about saying, God has made a fantastic difference in my life. And I'm just so grateful to him, I can't keep it to myself. So what has God ever done for us? Firstly, we are justified by faith. It's like you've broken the law. You've been arrested. You've been charged. Your case has been sent to the Crown Prosecution Service and you are just waiting for the trial date to come through. But the next thing you hear is the charges against you have been dropped. How come? You knew you were guilty. You've been caught. There's nothing that you can deny. This is not the outcome that you expected or deserved at all. But nevertheless, you have been assured that at no point in the future will you be prosecuted for this offence and you are free to go. That's justification of the ungodly. That's getting a verdict in your favour when you don't deserve it. But that's what Jesus has done for us. And he's done it not because he's some high-flying lawyer who's been able to get the case dismissed on a technicality. He doesn't just represent us in a legal capacity. He represents us by standing in the dock alongside us, standing in the dock in our place. Himself taking full responsibility for what we have done. So that even though it's the last thing we deserve, we go free. And he goes down instead of us. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And faith is about recognising and accepting that. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When there's nowhere else for us to turn because of our guilt, he invites us to put our trust in him and he takes the rap for us. Turns justice on its head. We are acquitted. He takes the guilty place. Even though we are guilty and he is innocent, But that's how the grace of God works. He changes places with us. And we matter that much to him that God would stop at nothing, not even the death of his own son, to rescue us from our guilt. It's mind-boggling. But Paul declares that we have been justified by faith. And that means that as people who've put our trust in Jesus, we are free to go knowing that no charge will ever or can ever be brought against us for what we've done. That is amazing. That's grace. Secondly, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, that means we, don't, we know we don't need to be scared of God anymore. We don't need to be afraid of what he might do to us. We don't need to to shy away from the light of his presence because the reality is that in Jesus, he accepts and welcomes us unconditionally as members of his family. In his presence, we can be utterly safe and completely secure. 
He loves and welcomes and accepts us as his own. Again, not because we deserve it, or because he he doesn't really know what we're like underneath. No, he knows us fully, and he loves us completely. Jesus is God's ambassador of peace. Through Jesus, we are reconciled to God, and nothing we have said or done in the past, nothing we might say or do in the future, can change that. We don't need to be afraid that God's angry with us. We don't need to be afraid that one day he might turn against us. He is genuinely and permanently well disposed towards us, despite the serious stuff that's happened in the past. But God dealt with all that when Jesus died on the cross. Nothing will ever come between us and him again. We have peace with God now and forever. And this is the grace on which we take our stand. God's grace towards us is the foundation for our entire lives. Everything we are, our whole identity is grounded in God's constant favour towards us. It's not a matter of how clever we are, how successful we are, how rich we are, or how good we are. As the years go by, all of those things can prove to be pretty shaky foundations. But God's grace towards you will never change. It will never crack. It will never give way. It will never let you down. So you don't need to be afraid. Life can be a pretty bruising experience sometimes, but if you're looking for a solid rock on which to build your life, I would always recommend the unchanging, steadfast, generous support that God has pledged to give you no matter what. That's grace. And the grace on which we take our stand and are secure through all the vicissitudes of this life and for eternity. And that grace means that we can rejoice, no, we can boast in the hope of the glory of God. Friends, we are destined for glory. That's a big claim to make, but it's true. Because it doesn't depend on us, it depends on the unlimited resources of God's grace towards us and his unshakable purpose to share his glory with us, to bring us into his presence. It's a purpose he's fulfilled by sending his son to redeem us. You, you were made to share the glory of God. That was God's purpose in creating you in the first place. The love that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit have shared from eternity in glory is now extended to us and we are included. We are made welcome in their presence we will be enveloped in their glory. Paul says elsewhere that what God has prepared for those who love him defies description. It's beyond words. It's beyond our comprehension. Yet one day it will be ours. Because that is what God has decided. And that is what God has achieved for us through the gift of his Son. He's opened the way for us to share his glory, to be with him in glory, where there will be no shame. 
And because of that, we can be people of unbreakable, undaunted optimism. At least, that's what Paul encourages us to be. We don't just boast about sharing God's glory one day, he says. Such is our confidence that we even boast when things go wrong. We boast in our trials and our tribulations and our troubles. Because these things cannot stop God fulfilling his purposes for us. When trouble comes, by his grace we'll grit our teeth and get through it. And in so doing, we will develop endurance and perseverance and staying power because the problems that cross our path only serve to make us stronger. And when we stay the course, as we are tried and tested, all that proves our mettle and develops a strength of character that wins God's seal of approval. The manufacturer's approval on people who've been tried and tested in adversity and have passed the test by God's grace. And all this is about hope. The confidence that God will bring us out the other end victorious. He will not see you put to shame. And if all that seems a little bit daunting, then yes, I am with you there. It is deeply counterintuitive to boast about tribulations and difficulties and problems and not really something that I'm into at all, personally. But when I look at everything Paul had to contend with, hardships and sufferings and persecutions and sleepless nights and shipwrecks and beatings and imprisonment, everything else, this was how he coped, actually, by turning it all into boasting and declaring his confidence in God. And he draws us in as well to share that fundamentally optimistic outlook on life, despite the things that go wrong, because God is bigger than the problems that we have. And his grace will see us through. God calls us not to be scared of what might happen in the future, but rather to look on him, the God who no matter what happens has promised he will always be at our side to see us through. Nothing, nothing in heaven and on earth can ever separate us from his love. And we can be confident because, as Paul says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. When our hearts are trembling with fear, God's love casts out that fear. When we are alone, the Spirit of God inhabits our hearts and brings God's presence to us. When we get it wrong, God's love covers over all our sins. When we are battered and bruised by the way other people treat us, God's love is the source of our healing. When we feel completely rubbish and worthless, God in his love declares that that is not the case, that you are loved from eternity for eternity. God has poured out his spirit into your heart as a witness to that effect and as a sign that you belong to him forever. The Father has redeemed you through the Son and sealed that identity on your heart with his spirit. This is all stirring stuff. No wonder Paul wanted to make the most of it. And for me, The most wonderful thing of all is it's not just fine-sounding words designed to make us feel better about ourselves. 
It's true. It's true. This is what God has done. This is what Father, Son and Holy Spirit have worked together to make a reality in our lives. Justified by faith. Peace with God. Taking a stand on God's grace. Boasting in the hope of glory. Showing undaunted optimism in the the face of trials. Receiving the outpouring of God's love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's why the God we worship doesn't need bigging up. He is already totally worthy of our praise and our adoration and our pride in who he is and the fact that despite everything, he's called us to be his children, to belong to him for eternity. We are where we are because that's God's purpose for us and that purpose cannot be shaken. Saved by grace, justified by faith, children of God destined for glory, recipients of his love and his presence in our lives. Hallelujah. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing God we belong to. What an amazing God we worship.